0: You would pray with me this morning. Most gracious and eternal Father, we again come before your presence simply to say thank you for dying for us. But Lord, if you had just died, it would still be of no effect. If you had only died, We would be the most sorrowful of all men and women, but thanks be to God, you rose with all power in your hand. Thank you for the gospel that we have to proclaim, the gospel that still saves and sets us free. As your word go forth this morning, I ask you to arrest our attention. Remove all distractions, all things that may cause us to be restless and weary so that we can hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Open our eyes to behold wonders from your truth, our ears that we may hear your truth, our minds that we may understand as well as comprehend the truth of your word. We ask you, Lord God, to open our hearts so we may receive with meekness your word, which is able to save our souls. Evangelize every Sunday, edify, and energize your church. Exalt your glorious name. Grant us now physical strength and spiritual energy to declare your word faithfully. And we will be careful to give your name, all the praise, honor, and glory, for this in mighty, magnificent, majestic, matchless name, that's above every name, in the name of Jesus we pray. All believers say together, Amen. You have your copy of God's word. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8, getting at verse 18, resting at verse 22, Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through verse 22, you have found it in your copy of God's word, we ask you to stand wherever you may be, out of reverence for the reading of the text, Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through verse 22. The Bible says, "My joy is gone, and grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold, the cry of the daughter of my people, from the length and breadth of the land. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is her king not in her?" Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the womb of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn, and this may has taken hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Verse 22 says, Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health... The order of my people not been restored. I want to talk this morning briefly from this song, the bomb in Gilead, the bomb in Gilead. It's been a full year that our sense of normalcy has been interrupted by a virus known as COVID-19. The whole globe has been in the midst of a pandemic. One unlike any that we've ever witnessed. A pandemic that has lasted longer than any pandemic that we have on record. At least for the last hundred years. It's amazing when you think about the behavior of humanity as we go through, as we have gone through this season. Back in March of 2020, people were afraid. And some still are. People quarantined in their homes. Netflix and YouTube and Zoom became our most habitual habits. Our way of connecting. Our way of having some sense of coping with the difficulties of this season. People would not even go to the grocery store. You couldn't find any Hand sanitizer anywhere, and you could find some that was price gouging. Prices had increased dramatically because they recognized that no one ever valued hand sanitizer the way we do now. Can find toiletry items. People were. Part in their homes, waiting to hear a word from the Lord. When we began this pandemic, everybody's virtual numbers were high. People were tuned in, fully engaged, because when we are afraid, we need to hear from God. When we are afraid, we need to know that the Lord is still with us that there is still hope in the midst of all despair. But as time has gone along, stores have reopened, the economy is starting to slowly come back, sports have found a way to evolve so that they can still entertain us. Some of our venues are now opening up to at least a small number of the public. And people have become relaxed. That thirst for God, that hunger for God, that 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 sense of I need the Lord like never before has somewhat dissipated. And after we've gone through a pandemic or still going through a pandemic that's we line up in cars to get shots in our arms to vaccinate us, um, people have gone back to a sense of normalcy, doing what they want to do, how they want to do it, living however they please. And we, like Jeremiah, you have to say, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we're still not saved. After going through everything that we have been through, after going through being quarantined, after going through being um, strapped down in our homes unable to go to our um, favorite department stores our favorite restaurants after the Lord put a pause on our daily activities there are still those who walk around in waywardness they still do not see the need for a savior they still do not see a need for a power outside of themselves now, they, everything we've been through the harvest is passed, the summer has ended, and we still aren't saved. It causes us to ask the question, what has to be done to shape man's core and recognize as that old hymn says that you have a never-dying soul to save and fit it for the sky? What has to be done to cause us to recognize that material things are good, but they have no eternal value? Accomplishments are uh, commendable, but you cannot earn your way into God's kingdom. What is it that has to be done for us to finally come to our senses and understand we need to give our lives to God? And those who have given their lives to God, what has to be done to cause you and I to submit ourselves more wholeheartedly to God? And become serious about our relationship with God. That we are churchians, but we are really Christians. I've come to believe that a lot of people are just churchians. They go to church, but they aren't Christians. Because you can go to church and not follow Jesus. The harvest is past, the summer in and we're not saved. And this is what Jeremiah is asking. He's, he's preaching to his people. And the Lord has given warning that if you don't change your ways, you will be punished. Judgment will come. And after all of his preaching, it seems as if it's falling upon death and heavy ears. Jeremiah is preaching and nobody's listening. Jeremiah is preaching and nobody is repenting. He's preaching and no one is changing their hearts. No one. Is turning back to God. Part of the reason why this is taking place is because there are false prophets in the land who are giving a false sense of normalcy that is telling people peace is coming, peace is coming. And so the people would hear these false prophets and they would change for a moment. You know how we do when we get scared. We change for a moment. We we, we live right for a season soon as that fear is removed, we go back to doing what we always have done. Jeremiah sits there and looks at how his people uh, pretended to change, but did not change. Pretended to turn to God, but really had not turned their hearts to God. And now they have got to the point where they're just saying, you know what? The heck with it. YOLO! You only live once. Live out loud. They, 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 they have said if you go back up in the reading of the text, we're just gonna go to the city and live it up. If we're gonna die, we going to at least enjoy our lives. And they even have the audacity to blame God for this. They 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 are they are upset with God. You know it's amazing. That, that that when we find ourselves in doing judgment, instead of us changing and looking at ourselves, we have the audacity to wag our crooked fingers up at God and say, You could stop this. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why am I going through as if God is being unfair when we know we have been wayward? And we know we have been sinful. Jeremiah is sitting there listening to this, looking at how his people are just faking the phone, trying to pretend not really being genuine about their relationship with God. And so Jeremiah begins to weep. He begins to cry. He's brokenhearted because he knows what's coming. The Bible says that Jeremiah says in verse 18, my joy is gone. My grief is upon me. Listen to what the text says. He says, my heart is sick within me. This is what psychologists and clinical psychologists now call deep depression. It is the sickening of the spirit. He said, I'm at the place of depression. When I think about what my people are doing even after everything that God has done to warn us to get our laws together to warn us to set our our, our houses in order he says I am sick he says I'm crying if you look on over into chapter 9 which many people believe is a continuation of chapter number eight as Jeremiah continues his lament he says, oh that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears and I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people he saying, I'm crying but I still have not come to a point Where I feel some sense of relief. He says, I just wish I could cry and cry and cry and cry. Because it's only in my crying that I'm able to release the depths of my sorrow. My tears are the only release that I have. He says, I'm crying to the point where I'm tired of crying. and I can't cry anymore. But I'm praying for the Lord to open up my timbers and allow me to cry even more when I think about what... My people are going through and why they are going through it. Then Jeremiah just asks the question out loud. He's just thinking out loud. When he looks around at everything that's going on in the world, he just starts thinking out loud. He says, Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no bomb in Gilead? He says, this is so saddening. Uh, Is there any hope? He's saying these people are so sick that they need a physician, a good physician. They need somebody to give them some medicine. They need a prescription. They heal them, is there no bomb in Gilead? Our four parents read this text, heard Jeremiah's thinking out loud. Is there no bomb in Gilead? And then they interpreted the scripture for us because Jeremiah is looking into the future, looking for hope. But now that we live on the other side of Calvary, they don't look, we don't look forward to hope, but we can look back at Calvary and find hope. And therefore, our foreparents answered the question that Jeremiah asked out loud, is there no bomb in Gilead? And they wrote the Negro spiritual that said, there is a bomb in Gilead that cleanses the sense it soul. There is a bomb in Gilead that makes the wounded whole. Jeremiah was on to something when he started thinking. Just like you and I when we just start thinking, we don't really know exactly how the Lord is really working in our minds and bringing things out toward us or lifting our minds to a holier and a higher level. Jeremiah says, is there no bomb in Gilead? What Jeremiah is saying, first of all, is... The location of this help, the location of this tree, he says, is there no bomb in Gilead? What Jeremiah is saying is, there is no tree in Judah Judah, that can heal what's going on with my people. He's saying that there is no um, tree that has a municipal portion within it that's close by, that we can go and get some sense of healing and and find some kind of way of correcting our waywardness. Jeremiah is admitting that the help that his people need is without them and beyond them. Listen to what I'm saying. He's saying that what we need is not close by. What we need is somewhere else outside of us. Somewhere else beyond us. And he's basically saying that the help we need has to come from a distance. Because the balm tree cannot grow in Judea because the climate is not conducive for it to be there. It is a place of where there has to be a tropical climate for this tree to grow. And so he says, we need help, but the help we need is not inside of us, and the help we need is not around us. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that the harvest is gone, the summer has ended, and we're still not saved, and the help that we need is not inside of us. Many people think that we got help inside of us, so we we get life coaches. It amazes me now that there are pastors who have chained, thrown away prophetic force, thrown away the title pastor, and have put on their resumes, we are life coaches. But the problem that is in the world today, people don't need a life coach. Because you can get advice, and it may be helpful, but it won't cleanse you of your soul problem. You can you can find some wisdom from other people's perspective, but it will not make you and it can maybe give you a better prospect in a career but it definitely does not save your soul you look around right now we got more young people graduating and got more letters behind their names. They got bachelors, masters. They're going back to get more and more and more. And what we find out is we have a lot of people in our communities that have a lot of education in their head, but no Jesus in their hearts. Because the problem is not solved in education. Education can give you insight, but it can't change your character it can't make you live right it can make you sound smart but it won't make you wise it's not there, culture's good, culture will polish us but it will not fix the problem of what we are dealing with people love to say things like we just need exposure, people need exposure and exposure is good but you can expose people to the finest of changed, it cannot be solved by some simply culture alone. It's without us, and it's beyond us. What are you saying, Pastor? This problem is so deep that Biden can't solve it. This problem is so deep that Democrats can't reverse it. This problem is so deep that state houses Cannot legislate it. This is so deep that a a, a signature cannot change it. What we are dealing with is saying that we need something that is beyond us. Jeremiah says our help has to come from a distance. Then he also says, "Is there no bomb in Gilead?" He's also warning about the appearance of the tree you know we have a knack for wanting what we don't need do I have a witness this morning we have a propensity to desire things that aren't good for us and our lusts and our desires Causes us to turn toward things that we think will make us better, but only leaves us empty. And Jeremiah says, "Is there no bomb in Gilead?" He's saying, "Be careful. We need help, but this help is not going to look good to your naked eye." What are you talking about Pastor Well? Because. The balm tree that Jeremiah is talking about in Gilead is an ugly tree. It grows in tropical climates, but it is not a tree that will impress you at all. Nobody will walk by a balm tree and say, oh, that's a pretty tree. Nobody wants to plant one in their yard. Because it's not anything that will um, uh, make your landscaping come alive. Nobody wants to take shade in this tree because the tree really is tall and the leaves are very small and oval-shaped, maybe even heart-shaped. So it really does not even allow for a good shade for an evening siesta. There's nothing about this tree that looks appetizing, nothing that causes you to to approach it. There are a lot of other trees that, that may look more attractive And this is what I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, when we think about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is without us and beyond us. And he had to come from a distance to save us. But also, when he came into the world, Jesus did not appear the way people thought he would. There was nothing about Jesus that would cause us to want to desire him. There was nothing about Jesus that would cause us to want to follow him. He didn't have a look. He didn't have money. He didn't have a magic. He didn't have power. He didn't have position. He didn't have a title. Jesus would not have been. He wouldn't have a blue check by his name on social media. If Jesus was walking amongst us today, he would have millions of followers. If Jesus was walking amongst us today, many people would look past him because Isaiah even says he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with. As one, as men hide their faces from him, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that people need Jesus, but Jesus does not have the look that they're looking for. Are y'all still here this morning? People need Jesus, but Jesus is not appealing to their natural eye. You see, this is why we have young people who follow LeBron James on Instagram and like his outfits, and like his pictures, and like his house, and like his workout regimen. They follow LeBron, they get up and they stroll Instagram and like everything that he posts, but they never look in the Bible. Because there's nothing about Jesus. That just appeals to us in our natural eye. There, there are people who follow um, Biden and Obama and, and everything they post. They can write a post as long as here the kingdom call, and there are people who will read it and copy it and repost it and share all day long. But the Bible, they can't interpret. The Bible text is too long. It has nothing about it. And here's the problem with the church the church is always trying to dress up Jesus. We always try to put makeup on Jesus. We feel like we gotta have Jesus and we're gonna put Jesus here. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna put a whole lot of other stuff around Jesus. And we're gonna attract people with all this other stuff. And once we get them attracted to all this other stuff, we're going to try to slip Jesus on in there. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that for the church of the living God, Jesus is not something that we hide behind materialism. Jesus is not something that we hide behind performance and life. Jesus is not something that we have to dress up and try to make him appealing. Jesus is our main attraction. And people may not like how he looks, But it's like an old medicine that didn't taste good to you, but it sure felt better going down. You may not look like what you want, but he is what you need. And so if Jeremiah says, it's beyond us, and it don't look like what we want, but it's what we need. But then he says also, and I'm done. Remember the benefits of this tree. He says the tree can help you but the tree can't help you because of the leaves on the tree it's not the fruit because there is no fruit on the bomb tree he says if you want to get the help that you need from out of the bomb tree you got to pierce it and cut it open. It says if you pierce the bomb tree and cut the bomb tree, then the sass will come out of the tree. The tree don't look good to you, but it's what's in the tree that's going to save you. It's what's in the tree that can heal you. It's what's in the tree that can change you. It's what's in the tree that can change your attitude. It's what's in the tree that can change your perspective. It's what's in the tree that can change your morning into, the morning, into morning. It change your midnight into day is what's in the tree. But in order to get it out, it got to first be cut and pierced. Oh, I'm done. Some of y'all ain't got it yet. But let me tell you what happens, my brothers and sisters. On Friday, they thought they were killing Jesus. They thought that they were winning the victory. But what they didn't know was, the answer to Jeremiah's question was in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah said, is there no bomb in Gilead? And what they didn't know is Jeremiah was not talking about a physical tree. But he was talking metaphorically about our Savior. And when they hung him on the tree, they pierced our barb in Gilead. They put nails in his hands. And they cut him in his side. And the Bible says that when they pierced the barb, out the blood of Jesus oh I'm done church my soul is getting happy and I know we gotta get out of here but there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood loose all Their guilt and stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though thou as he wash all my sins away. My grandmama in the old church was saying, I know it was the blood. Do I have a witness here? I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Because one day when I was lost, Jesus died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me now, but as I leave you this morning, even though you cut the bomb tree, and the sass comes out of the bark, the sass does not do any good unless you apply it to your wounds. But if you put the sass upon your wounds. Then the sand can get inside of your infection and bring healing to your physical body. And I'm here to tell you, church, there is power, power. power wonder working power uh, in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, but you uh, cannot receive uh, the benefits uh, of this power uh, unless you apply it uh, soul. Unless you apply it uh, to your life. uh, Unless you apply it uh, to your situation. uh, Do I have a witness in the tabernacle? uh, I want to tell you uh, that there's nothing uh, that you're going through uh, that the blood uh, cannot make right. uh, Do I have any help in him? There's no sickness, uh, that the blood the blood, uh, cannot cure. Uh, there's no sin uh, that the blood uh, cannot wash away. Uh, there's no addiction uh, that the blood uh, cannot set you free from. Uh, you may ask some uh, pastor, uh, how do you know? Uh, I want to tell you this morning uh, that I know about it uh, because I tried it uh, for myself. Uh, Down uh, at the cross uh, where my Savior died, down uh, where from cleansing, uh, from sin I cried, There, uh, to my heart uh, was the blood of pride, uh, and I'm singing glory his name I am so wondrously saved from my sin Jesus so sweetly abides Deep within, uh, there uh, at the cross, um, uh, where he took took me in, uh, and I'm singing glory uh, to his name, uh, and if you had tried it, um, uh, why don't you come? come on church uh, if you are a sinner uh, why don't you come uh, if you are a homeowner uh, why don't you come uh, if you are alcoholic uh, why don't you come uh, if you're struggling uh, deep in your spirit uh, why don't you come uh, come to the fountain uh, so rich uh, and so sweet cast uh, yes, uh, thy poor soul uh, at the saviour Feet uh, plunge uh, into today uh, and be made complete, uh, and you will join me uh, and say, Glory uh, to his name. Uh, is there anybody here uh, that tried the bomb? Uh, anybody here uh, that tried the blood? Uh, why don't you help me this morning? Uh, say, Glory, 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 Glory. Uh, Name, glory for the blood. Glory because it washed me. Glory because it changed me. Glory because it covered me. Glory because it helped me. Glory because it helped me. Glory because it hides me. Glory because it heals me. Glory. Glory. To his name. Glory to his name. It reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. that gives me strength, yes, hallelujah, you, from day to day. Yes, See, some of you think the blood just saved you, but you don't need the blood the then you got saved. Yes, but every day of your life, yes, you need the blood. What yes. can wash away my sin? Yes. Nothing, but the, Nothing you, but the blood of Jesus. Yes, what can make me whole again? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus, the summer is past, the harvest is ended. We're still not safe, but the blood of Jesus still works. The blood of Jesus still reaches. The blood of Jesus is still there for you today. The doors of the Lord's church is open.